This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's Cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors. Welcome to our A's Farm podcast. I'm your host, AthleticsFarm.com Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty. And today, we're going to be taking another look inside the A's 2020 draft class. Today, we'll be talking with the man in charge of it all for the A's, Scouting Director Eric Kubota. We'll also be getting the inside scoop from A's area scouts Chris Riley and Jim Kaufman, who were the guys who scouted the A's fourth round and fifth round picks in this year's draft. But first, we talked with A's scouting director Eric Kubota and got his insights on this year's draft. Hey, thanks for joining me today, Eric. No problem, Bill. So obviously we wanted to get your take on uh, this year's A's draft class. But first, with all the unusual circumstances going on this year, just how different was the whole process of scouting and prepping for the draft for you this year? Yeah, it was uh, it was very odd uh, in every aspect, really. I mean, you know, from the minute we got uh, when things shut down in the middle of March until the draft, I mean, uh, things couldn't have been <laughs> any different than our normal process. I mean, not being able to, to scout guys in person, uh, not being able to meet with our scouts in person, uh, not being able to be really together for the draft. I mean, it was a very small group of us that were socially distanced, uh, you know, in our office. So it, it was just uh, weird all around. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Well, one way or another, uh, everybody had to find a way to get the job done. And I'm sure a lot of your area scouts, it wasn't like they were just starting to look at these guys for the first time. I'm sure a lot of these guys, they'd been following since high school, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we have, you know, the, the area scouts start seeing these guys two, three, four years ago, um, you know, at, at in the worst case scenario. And even uh, the cross checkers and myself, I mean, we get to see so much of these guys nowadays in the, the summer prior to the draft, you know, right after basically now, you know, we're, we're thinking about getting ready for 2021. So we, we see these guys a lot these days and, and that certainly helped us, um, you know, going into our, or into the draft this year. Well, even though he was a high school player, I'm assuming that you guys probably got plenty of looks at your first round pick uh, catcher Tyler Soderstrom out of Turlock since he, he wasn't too far a drive away anyway. So uh, hopefully, yeah. you, hopefully you guys got a few looks at him. Were you surprised when he was available to you? Did you have a sense he might be available to you? And, and what did you guys really like about him enough to want to make him your first round pick this year? Yeah, I mean, we were surprised. We knew that there were some teams way up in the draft that really liked him. Um, 
and then we were surprised you know uh he skated through the middle middle part of the draft to get to us um we're, we we knew there were a lot of teams in that range that liked him but uh what what we liked about Tyler I mean first and foremost is the bat I mean we really really think this is a chance to develop into a special bat um both uh as far as hitting for an average and hitting for power um you know we once again like I said we saw him a lot and it just makes a different sound coming off his bat and uh, we're really excited to see you know where that where that takes him now, I know uh, he's a catcher. You drafted him as a catcher. You know, there's been talk and speculation. Will he stick as a catcher? Does he have everything it takes to remain as a catcher? I know he's also played other positions as well. So can you talk a little bit about how you view his catching skills and his ability to stick there? And also, even if he does stick at catcher, you know, it never hurts to be a little versatile. And I know he has played other positions. So what do you think his, his second best position might be? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, we do think he's a catcher. Um, you know, he thinks of himself as a catcher and that's more than half the battle when, when, when you're talking about catchers, but we think all the ingredients are there to be a, you know, above average defender behind the plate. I mean, he's athletic, he's got good hands. He's got a good head on his shoulders. I mean, we've, we've talked to, you know, Dalton Jeffries, um, throws to him at, at their facility. And I mean, Dalton talks about, you know, the mentality just being ahead of his years. Um, there's plenty of arm strength. Um, so we think all the ingredients are there to be, you know, a very, very good defensive catcher. At the same time, he is athletic, first and foremost, and we have seen him play other positions. And like you said, it's never a bad thing to be versatile in, in today's game. But first and foremost, we we definitely see him as a, pitcher, uh, as a catcher. I'm sorry. It seems like he's really eager to catch, though. It sounds like he's been willing to play pretty much any position. I think he even uh, had a few games at shortstop in high school, if I'm correct. So he must be pretty athletic, like you said. <laughs> Yeah, he definitely is. He definitely is. And he can play. He, he would be able to play lots of different places on the field. Uh, but, uh, you know, first and foremost, once again, we see him as a catcher. Right. Well, there's certainly nothing more valuable than a good hitting a young catcher these days. That's for sure. Now, in the second round, you took a guy out of the University of Michigan. You went with your first pitcher of the draft, right-hander Jeff Criswell. So what really impressed you about him? What made you want to take him there with that pick in the second round and make him your top pitcher in the draft? Well, he's he's physical. He's very physical. He throws really hard and he's got a really good breaking ball. Um you know, we saw him, we've seen him obviously over the years. Uh, he pitched very well for for Michigan in their run to the College World Series last year, uh, where we got to see a lot of them. We saw him with Team USA last summer, um, and then we did get to see him obviously this spring. And, I mean, it's just physicality, arm strength, and a, a very good breaking ball. He throws hard, like you said, and I know he's had a tendency to be a little wild sometimes. You know, maybe his control is it perfect. He could work on his command a little more, but he throws very hard. I guess, is that the kind of thing you're looking to work on with him once he gets into the system is uh, developing a little more command of that really impressive stuff he throws? Yeah, I, I, I think we think he's actually a pretty good strike thrower, but, but I mean, I think every pitcher, when they um, get into the minor leagues, that the, the the finding factor in most cases is command. And uh, just like everybody else, that's something that we will continue to fine tune with him. And, and, you know, we have every expectation that uh, that will develop and he'll move quickly through the system. Well, it certainly looks like he's got the raw stuff to work with. Uh, Do you have a comp for him? Is there anyone he reminds you of? Uh, I kind of thought of Jason Schmidt. Uh, Maybe that's just me being, you know, a Northern Cal guy (laughs) and and having seen, seen him over the years, but that's, that's, 
kind of what came to mind for me. And uh, what about your first pick, uh, Tyler Soderstrom? I, I know he's uh, he's very young, but did, did he remind you of any major leaguers in particular? Yeah, I think as far as the profile, he, he kind of reminds us of Brian McCann. But as a hitter, I, I, and the, these are both Braves, actually, or, or they were both Braves at the same time. As a hitter, he kind of maybe reminds us of Freddie Freeman. Well, that, that's a good combination. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. Uh, now, in the yeah. uh, in, in the third round, you guys uh, went with a college outfielder, Michael Goldberg, out of Georgia Tech. And of all the guys you took in the draft, I feel like he was a little more under the radar than everybody else. I feel like most draft analysts had a little less information available on him. So, can you tell me what made him pop for you, and what made you want to take him in the third round there? Well, first and foremost, our area scout in that area, Jamel Spearman, loved Michael Goldberg. And, um, you know, he was very thorough in his evaluation and, and his research. And um, he was uh, very uh, – he made sure that we knew that he liked him. And <laughs> because of that, we did – we scouted him very um, thoroughly, even in, in the short period of time that we had. We scouted him a lot, and we, we just – I mean, we think he's a – He's got a chance to be a really good player. I mean, he's a he can really run. Um, he's a right-handed hitter who, with a history of of hitting, um, high contact rates, and and we do think even though he was not playing center field at Georgia Tech, we think he easily moves into center field in professional baseball. I know you guys look at him as a center fielder. I know he's played a lot of other positions around the, the diamond as well. So he's another guy, it sounds like, who could have some versatility and some, some options there anyway, which always helps. And as a hitter, he looks to me kind of like a, a classic number two hitter. Is that is that how you look at him, too? I think, you know, I, I'm not sure we really pinned him down in, into a role. But, you know, thinking thinking about that, yeah, I could see him fitting in, in that kind of role. I could see him fitting maybe at the top of the order as well. Now, is there uh, is there anyone that he reminds you of in particular? What came to mind for me was Chad Curtis, and you know, all of my comps you'll see are, are going back a number of years because that's <laughs> kind of the, the, my formative years walking baseball. I think or being in in the game of baseball, that's kind of lodged in my brain. So uh, that's uh, uh, I kind of had Chad Curtis there. Okay, so let's take a look at your fourth-round pick, a right-hander Dane Acker out of the University of Oklahoma. Uh, the thing that always comes up about him is he threw that no-hitter earlier in the year against LSU, which I'm sure got plenty plenty of people's attention. But what did you like about Dane Acker? Well, first and foremost, I was there for the no-hitter. So um, <laughs> I definitely like that. But, uh, you know, we think he can really pitch. We think his stuff is really, like, average across the board right now. I mean, it's a four-pitch mix. He's got a projectable body, and we actually think there's there's more fastball and more more development left to his stuff across the board. Yeah, he seems like the kind of guy to me that's more of a pitcher than a thrower. He's got a lot of pitches. He seems to have pretty good command. He maybe doesn't throw the heat like everybody else, but he seems to really know what he's doing on the mound. Is that right? Yeah, that's true, and we, and we do think there's more fastball there. As he continues to mature physically, we think we, he'll throw harder down the road. And do you have a comp for a Dane Acker at all? Once again, I'm going back into the memory banks, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I thought a little bit of Aaron Seeley. Oh, Aaron Seeley. I, I remember that name. Yeah, uh, he, <laughs> he, he was a good one. Um, so, yeah, I, that's interesting, though, that you were there for that no hitter. I'm sure. I mean, what were you thinking as you were watching that? Were you sitting there thinking like, hmm, this is a guy we might be putting fairly high on our draft board at this point? <laughs> yeah, I think I mean, and it wasn't just for the, the performance, which was great. But, uh, 
he did, you know, I mean, he showed us everything that we had been told he would show us. And, uh, and he pitched very well in a, in a high profile situation against a, a very good team. So it was, it was fun to watch and it was, um, it certainly, uh, stayed in our memory bank as we went through our, our process and, and kind of evaluated the names that were on our board. Yeah, no hitting LSU. It's not exactly a, a no-name university or anything. So. Right. <laughs> uh, now, with your final pick in the fifth round, you took right-hander Stevie Emanuels out of the University of Washington. And, uh, you know, he looks like a pretty promising young arm to be able to get in the fifth round there. Yeah, we're excited about him. I mean, once again, we think there's a lot of upside left with Stevie. Um, you know, this was really his first year as a starting pitcher. He'd been a, a very good reliever at UW his first few years. And, I mean, we just think we're kind of just seeing the tip of the iceberg here with Stevie. Like you mentioned, I believe he was primarily a reliever his first couple of years of school, and then he just started out as a starting pitcher here in 2020 and only got to start about four games. But I think he had an ERA under one in those four games, so he obviously must have been getting people's attention and, and thinking, yeah, this guy could be a legit starter, right? Right, and he had a lot of strikeouts, too, which definitely caught our eye, so... Uh, we we have no doubt he can he he's a starting pitcher as we move forward and we're excited to see what happens. And does he throw pretty hard as well? I think he got his fastball up there at a pretty good he, uh, pretty good does. clip, right? He does. Yeah, he touches probably ninety four, ninety five, but we think there's actually more more consistent velocity in there as he matures physically as well. Yeah, I think he I think I saw he was six five, so uh, obviously he's got a pretty big frame there to work with anyway. Right. Right. <laughs> Since the draft was only five rounds, there are a whole bunch of these undrafted amateur free agents still floating around out there that teams can sign. And uh I believe you guys signed uh, a couple of catchers and a couple of pitchers so far. So um first off, can you just tell me about the catchers that you signed? Yeah, we took uh uh the first uh, one of the first guys was William Simonite. He's from Wake Forest University. He was actually a grad student. He played his his first four years at uh, Cornell University. Um, but he's a strong, physical, athletic catcher. Uh, I actually did get to see him. Um, you know, he's got strength in the bat to work with. Our scout in North Carolina, Neil Avent, really really liked him and uh, was aggressive in in. Um, you know, trying to push us to get him signed. And uh, he did a very good job getting him signed. And then I think the other one was Cooper Yule out of Loyola Marymount. Am I correct? Right. Yep. Yep. Cooper is a, another catcher. Obviously he can really catch and throw. Uh, and he, he really kind of turned the corner with the bat this year. I um, mean, had gotten off to a very, very good start with the bat in the, in the four weeks that they played. And uh, we think there's a, a chance for the bat and we really, really like his catch and throw skills. And then uh, tell me about the two pitchers you've signed so far after the draft. Right. Garrett Acton is a closer at Illinois. Uh, he throws hard up to 94-95 and uh, has had success. And then Grant Judkins is a, was a starter at the University of Iowa. Just a, a kid who could really pitch. And uh, I think there's a little bit of upside left with him as well. Well, that's that's good. Um, well, it will be interesting to see if there's uh, any any more new additions added to the fold uh, here in this period after the draft. It's such a strange, strange time, kind of the Wild West out there. You guys can just kind of uh, track down all these guys and see who you can bring into the fold. But you're competing with 29 other teams and you can only offer a maximum of twenty thousand dollars per person. So it's, it's a really unusual situation for you, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And Wild West is the best way to, to sum it up. So it's, it's been a crazy couple of days. And uh, 
we'll we'll see we'll see what shakes out. <laughs> great. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. It's always great uh, getting to chat with you and getting your uh, your insights on these guys. So thanks again for talking to us today, Eric. Okay, Bill. My pleasure. Stay tuned for more on our A's Farm podcast coming right up. Area scout Chris Riley covers Oklahoma and North Texas for the A's. This year, he recommended right-hander Dane Acker from the University of Oklahoma to the A's, and the team took him with their fourth-round pick, and we took the opportunity to get his insights on the talented righty. Hey, thanks for joining us today, Chris. Thanks for having me, Bill. I appreciate it. So, um, you know, it was such an unusual draft this year with with all the things going on in the world. It really, you know, had a big effect on the whole scouting and drafting process. Can you talk a little bit about how your preparation for the draft changed this year with everything that's been going on? Um, in terms of preparation for the draft, um, obviously the, the shortened season um, kind of changed the whole landscape in scouting because um, typically um, – Division one season, four weeks when typically we'd have 12, 13, or even 14 weeks to, uh, um, so this year was uh, kind of abbreviated, um, needed to happen quickly. So fortunately for us, um, I was able to see the University of Oklahoma, um, early. I saw Texas Tech really early, TCU, um, and a lot of the major D1s in my area early which allowed me to uh, get most of the work done. So, you know, the cross-checkers and, and uh, national scouts could, could get looks on the players. Well, fortunately, uh, you got to Oklahoma because the, the main reason we wanted to talk to you today is because the A's took one of your guys this year in the fourth round, uh, right-hander Dane Acker out of the University of Oklahoma. And I know the thing that always pops up about him is he threw that no-hitter against LSU earlier this year, and I'm sure that had to open some people's eyes. But can you tell us a little bit about what you saw in him and what you really liked about Dane Acker? Yeah. Um, so, believe it or not, I saw Dane in uh 2019 when i was down i was at a, a junior college tournament in um in houston at, at san jack and he was pitching for san jack however san jack is not in my area it's in it's in south texas mm. and so i i took note of this guy and i said well he, he can really pitch um but he kind of out of sight out of mind i, I didn't know at the time he was committed to oklahoma had I been uh, a little more dialed into uh, uh, San Jack's commitment list, I, I may have uh, uh, paid a little more attention. Well, fast forward come the fall, um, you know, scouting's kind of a, a full year job and got my first real look at him when he got to OU. Um, he threw in a scrimmage there and I was like, wow, you know, he, he looks like he'd have a chance to really compete for the top part of the rotation, you know, based on the short fall look, you know, a couple innings. Mm -hmm. Fast forward through the, the winter into January. Um, and, you know, it's it's still cool in that part of the country um, that time of year. So I went in and watched him in a preseason scrimmage. And it was that day when I was like, you know, I don't know how many scouts were there that day with me, but what I saw coming out of him that day, I said, there's got to be some flare shot up to <laughs> Eric um, and my cross-checker, Armand Brown, so they could get a look on, on what I thought was uh, a guy that might be under the radar a little bit. Um, and then got my first look at Dane um, against Illinois State. 
uh, second weekend of the year. He, he really battled, competed, showed some toughness. Um, he's got what you want, a body and a frame, um, clean delivery, online moves um, with four pitches. And so I hurried up, got my report in, and then the next week um, he did his magic in front of everybody at Minute Maid and, you know, no-hit LSU. So uh, we're, we're fortunate to have him available in the fourth round, I think. You mentioned, I think, your territory covers Oklahoma and a good chunk of Texas, right? That's correct. North Texas. Um, it's basically I-20 is kind of the, the cutoff line. It goes east-west through the state of Texas. So I've got North Texas and Oklahoma. Well, it was interesting you mentioned because Dane Acker really bounced around between a few different schools. If I'm correct, in his freshman year, he was pitching for Rice as a reliever out of the bullpen there. And then in his sophomore year, he went to the junior college you mentioned and took over as a starter there and, and pitched really well for the junior college. And then he in his junior year, went to Oklahoma and, and got in that abbreviated season this year where he was able to impress there, and you really were able to get a good look at him. Can you talk a little bit about his, his sort of journey through college baseball? Yeah. Um, obviously, Dane was a, a talented young man. Uh, he grew up in Brenham, Texas, which is um, obviously in the south, uh, suburb of Houston, I believe. Um, and he was recruited to Rice um, as a freshman, went there, um, pitching several roles. He, he started a few games for Rice, um, and the, the coach that recruited him at Rice um, did a terrific job recruiting him, getting him there. And when he left Rice and took the job at University of Oklahoma, he was fortunate enough to recruit him again. Mm-hmm. Um, and the coaching staff at OU does a great job um, uh, developing players and pitchers and athletes and um, so the, the trust in what those guys did for Dane, uh, Skip Johnson in particular, did a great job coaching their pitching staff, um, just kind of paid off, um, you know, come the spring of 2020, where they had all three of their weekend starters drafted um, in the top five rounds. Now, can you talk a little bit about his repertoire? What pitches is he working with and how hard does he uh, throw them? Yeah, um, Dane um, is a four pitch guy. Um, throws his fastball anywhere from 89, sits comfortably 92. I've seen him touch threes, fours, maybe a five. Um, but he, he's more of a pitcher than, than probably a power arm. Um, good, really good fastball command. And, and that day I mentioned I saw in January uh, where it kind of dropped my jaw and <laughs> his four-pitch mix. Um, I, I talked to another scout that was at the no-hitter uh, no in Houston and said that day you and I saw him, he was better uh, than he actually was when he hit LSU. So um, there's, I think there's still more in there that people haven't seen in just a, a short four-week season. Um, he also throws a, a curveball from you know 79 to – I've seen it up to 82. Um, and when I met with him in the fall, he, he told me his slider was a work in progress, and he throws that about – 86, 87, I think I might have seen an 88. Um, so it's a hard slider. And what I, you know, I said, I said, it looks better than a work in progress to me. Um, so if, it, if he is still developing it, I think there might be some more upside there. And he has feel for a change up, obviously. Yeah, it's interesting what you said, because I've kind of gotten the impression from everything I've read and heard about him that he really is more of a pitcher than a thrower, that he has a good feel for pitching and mixing his pitches. He's not a flamethrower kind of guy, but he knows how to pitch, right? 
That's correct. He, he can throw any pitch in any count. And, you know, talking to his coaches and what I saw um, in my few looks, he really likes to compete. Um, and he'll, he'll mature as he gets into pro ball and, and uh, develop his repertoire with our uh, player development staff. I'm excited to see where he goes. I think you mentioned you liked his delivery, and I think I've heard that somewhere else before, someone else complimenting his delivery. I'm guessing he has one of those kind of smooth, easy, repeatable-looking deliveries that you feel you're not going to have to spend lots of time monkeying with, right? That's correct. Um, a, lot of, a lot of guys in college um, that have arm strength like he does can, can get out of their deliveries at times trying to light up a radar gun or blow up by a guy. Uh, well, he's, you know, the, a good combination of being able to have enough arm strength on his fastball while maintaining a, a repeatable balanced delivery. So he's, uh, he's a pretty good athletic kid with uh, some projection left in his body, too. He, he could put on, you know, another 10 pounds of muscle to his 6'3", 200-pound or so frame. You know, obviously he's shown he can start, but he did have experience in the bullpen as well, as I mentioned. I, I'm assuming you imagine him as a starter going forward, that that's how you anticipate they'll uh, try and make things work for him uh, out of the gate, right? I think so. Um, with how easy he does it and how many quality strikes he throws, uh, his future should be as a starter. Now, you know, if he gets to a point in the minor leagues where, you know, it, it, it stops working, um, then they might change his repertoire a little bit or let him have a little more effort and, uh, you know, maybe be more accepting of, you know, a little less command or maybe a little more stuff. Right. And then the final question, do you have any comps for him? Is there anybody that you think of when you look at him? Um, yeah, you know, you know, who comes to mind is a, a pitcher. He's, he's fairly young, but he's kind of made a splash in his first couple of years. Is a Shane Bieber um, for for the Indians. I think right. they're about the same size. Um, I think Shane might be a little a little broader as he's you know 25 or 26 by now. Um, but in terms of repertoire, body, right-handed, um, multiple pitches, and for this you know with good command, I think he he'd be a fairly accurate comp for me for a for a modern up-and-coming uh, pitcher that's been really good. Well, I'm sure the A's would be uh, more than happy to have found another Shane Bieber, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, well, thanks so much for taking time out to talk to us today, Chris. Uh, as the area scout, you've probably gotten as many looks at him as anyone has, so we certainly appreciate your insights. Thanks again. My pleasure. Thanks, Bill. Stay tuned for more on our A's Farm podcast coming right up. Jim Kaufman covers Oregon, Washington, and the Northwest area for the A's. This year, he recommended right-hander Stevie Emanuels from the University of Washington, and the team made him their fifth-round pick. And we took the chance to get his insights on the big righty. Hey, thanks for joining me today, Jim. Sure, Bill. Thanks for having me on. So now I know you're the A's Northwest Area Scout. So uh, you cover Oregon, Washington, everything up there in the in the Northwest. I, I imagine that the heart of it's those schools in Oregon and Washington. But do you ever make it up to ball games in Alaska? How far do you go? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't make it up to Alaska, especially this year. Um, um, I had British Columbia. I do cover a little bit of British Columbia uh, just as a necessity. Um, for a couple teams, but, um, yeah, mostly just Oregon, Washington, Idaho, uh, do have Montana as well. Um, but as, as you know, they don't play any high school baseball there. So, 
pretty much uh, condensed right here in Oregon and Washington and Idaho. So uh, with, with Seattle being such a big area in Bellevue and the surrounding area, that's, uh, that's quite a large um, map. So yeah, no, a lot majority of my time up there. A lot of ground to cover. I guess you were the guy who scouted and signed Seth Brown uh, a few years ago, right? Correct. Yeah, out of uh, Lewis and Clark State, and um, came from Medford High School, and then played uh, played down here at a junior college for one year, and then was out of baseball for a year, and, and then resurfaced at LC State, and obviously did well enough to get eyes on him, and um, he's done very well for himself, obviously. I think he went in the 19th round, if I'm correct. And I know he wasn't high on people's radar. Uh, how, how much did you have to sort of sell the A's on Seth Brown? I'm sure you must have seen something there that you thought was really worth paying attention to. Well, I remember the draft day, and I know that, you know, they, they saw his numbers, and I think they really stuck out. And uh, I remember I think our front office did a good job of, of making that happen. Um, you know, I saw him early. And then I saw him at the World Series, and I think I did do a follow-up report that said this guy's changed a little bit. He's a better athlete than I thought. He was playing the outfield by then and wasn't just stuck at first base. And and uh, you know he was he was just absolutely on fire during that World Series. They wouldn't pitch to him, but when they did give him anything to hit, he got into it. And I believe he hit 30 home runs that year, some crazy number. He he really tore it up, but. Um, yeah, he. I mean, that guy just turned made himself into a really good baseball player and and a lot better athlete than he was even out of high school. Yeah, no, just, I know. Um, <laughs> pure I, work. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I know he's definitely uh, definitely a hard worker, and uh, uh, everyone knows that about him. Well, we what we wanted to have you on primarily to talk about this year's draft because in the uh, fifth round this year, the A's took one of your guys, right-hander Stevie Emanuel's, out of the University of Washington, and it, it seems from the looks of him like the A's may have snagged a pretty promising young arm there with that fifth round pick this year. Yeah, really pleased with that uh, pick. I was surprised he was he was there. I know there was a lot of circumstances around just having a five round draft, so I'm not sure about all the the numbers and how things played out. But um, really uh, grateful that we we landed this guy because I think his better days are ahead of him, and he's um, he's improved each year since high school. He was one of those kids that grew a lot um, between his sophomore and senior season was kind of a tall, skinny, gangly uh, kid. And, but he really looks the part now, Um, you know, he's got a strong lower half and he still has some weight to get. I think he's listed it as 210, but you could easily see him with 245 to, to, you know, somewhere around there before it's all said and done. He's got, he's got a ways to go uh, to mature. Uh, He's still kind of a baby face kid. And, um, I think he's, you know, he, he he's already been up to, you know, 95, 96 uh, in the past, you know, especially as a reliever. But uh, um, I think that's going to be a pretty easy um, area for him to stay and stay with, especially if he goes into the pen at some time at some point. But, you know, he also has the pitches to be a starter. So, um, you know, I think, like I said, I think his better days are ahead of him. He's uh, still a projectable kid. So. He's a pretty big, tall guy, like you mentioned. I think he's six five, if I'm correct. So, yeah, I mean, if he can add even more uh, bulk and more muscle to that, you'd think he'd be able to muscle up on some pitches at that size. Exactly. Yeah, you know, he doesn't. Um, his delivery's fairly fluid. Um, he's somewhat of a short strider. He 
basically uh, plays catch when he throws. There's not a lot of effort. There's not a lot of uh, uh, movements in his delivery. It's pretty compact. Uh, it's a quick arm. Um, he just, you know, the thing I really liked about him the last uh, few years, he does not give up hits. And I was just looking earlier, he gave up three extra base hits this year and four starts. Um, <laughs> out of facing about 100 uh, batters. So um, they're uncomfortable at bats, a lot of late swings, which shows you that he's got some deception, uh, the, the ball coming out of his hand. And then if he gets you two strikes on you, he can put you away with an elevated fastball or he's got a really good breaking ball. And uh, so, and when he's pit, you know, when he's in the middle of uh, ABs, he can throw his change up for strikes and uh, he's just got a good, good set of weapons. And uh, like I said, he doesn't overthrow. He doesn't, uh, get himself into trouble. If you're going to beat him, you got to beat him with a bat and he's not going to walk guys and, and, uh, and hurt himself. So, and he's very, very intelligent kid and uh, just uh, fun to watch him pitch really. Well, I know, as you mentioned, you know, he has thrown out of the bullpen. I think his first couple seasons as a freshman and a sophomore, he was primarily a reliever there at Washington. And then it wasn't until this year, 2020, that he really started working as a starting pitcher and unfortunately, the season was cut so short. I think he maybe got four starts in or something like that. But as you mentioned, he hardly gave up any extra base hits. And I think he had an ERA, if I'm correct, of like 0.79 in his four starts this season. So obviously, in that transition to the starter role, he came out of the gates looking really strong early this year before everything came to an abrupt end. Yeah, he really did. You know, he... um it, it wasn't that he couldn't start as a freshman or a sophomore. It was just their roster was, uh, they really didn't have anybody to close games out. So they used him somewhat as a uh, filler. If they had a lead, you know, say after six innings, then he was up and going, he was their guy. And, you know, he pitched in the college world series as a freshman. So you can imagine the experience he got there and, and how that played out uh, for the next couple of years, probably gave him a lot of confidence. And, but he was their guy out of the pen, even last year, if the game was close or they had a lead, he they brought him in whether it was one inning or four innings or, or whatever. So, um, they they trusted him a lot. I think it was just more out of um, their roster not having a, right. a true closer or guys like that. And they had a handful of guys that could uh, start and give them five or six innings. So, but um, with the, the, them graduating a few kids last year, he definitely stepped into that Friday guy and um, really. Um, I think most of us up here kind of expected him to be that guy too, and he didn't disappoint. So, can you talk a little bit more about his, his repertoire, what pitches he's working with, and how hard he throws them? Right. Um, you know, he he throws. You know, I know earlier I I didn't see the the start in California, but we did have a couple scouts down there. Uh, I know Dylan Tongue and uh, and uh, John Hughes. I know watched him. Uh, one game where he threw, I believe it was against Fresno State, and he had 12 strikeouts in six innings. Or, but and I know his velocity was up to 95 or 96 that day. Um, the day I saw him, he, right before the game started, he had a two-hour uh, rain delay, and it was just awful weather on the lake. And so he sat around and came back, and his velocity that day wasn't um, up to where it usually is, but it was also uh, you know, easy to see why. But he still struck out 12 in six innings and and uh, pretty much dominated guys with his location of his fastball. And then if he gets two strikes on you, he'll he'll put you away with a pretty good slider. And um, it's got some lake breaking. Um, he can he can shape it a little bit different 
different. It'll make it look like a curveball. And then uh, the one that's usually 82, 83 is a more true slider, late breaking, three quarter angle type um, pitch. And if you just watch even film, you see uh, poor swings, uh, knee buckles, you know, poor, they don't pick it up out of the hand. It's obvious. So he's got some deception there. Uh, he throws from a, uh, I would say, a l- little bit lower than a high three quarter slot. It's a quick uh, arm action. It's a, it's fairly short on the backside. Um, he doesn't, uh, and he's a bit of an upright uh, thrower. So it's it's almost like he's playing catch. And the, the deception, I think, comes out of the eff- the low effort level that he throws from. And um, anything arm side, middle of the plate to the arm side, uh, he's got a late uh, running sinking action on the baseball. And then uh, he'll throw a four seam run from the middle to the glove side up. Uh, and he'll get guys to swing and chase that. So, uh, and then, like I said, then the changeup he'll mix in on occasion. And the slider's pretty devastating when he he'll he'll show you one early in the count, and then he'll tighten it up uh, late in the count to uh, put you away with it. So, obviously, he struck out a lot of guys this year. He struck out a lot of guys in the Cape last year, and uh, I think he's got a lot of confidence going into this. And uh, um, you know, he's got all the all the makings of a, of a pretty good pitcher down the road. I'm excited to see how our guys uh, develop him. Going forward uh, in his pro career, and how does he profile as a, as a major leaguer? Do you see him more as a starter? Do you see him maybe being a, a reliever, a guy working out of the bullpen? How do you think he really profiles best? Um, I, I see him as a starter uh, right now. I think, um, you know, like I said, he throws strikes. He, um, He's got three uh, solid average pitches, and I think you develop that as long as you can. And then, all, obviously, um, you know, you can say that about most guys. If, if right. that doesn't uh, – or if the need down the road is um, – he might be a guy that gets there a little early and, and it does have to come out of the bullpen, but then maybe later on in his career he'll uh, transition back to a, a starter. But, you know, the size and the, uh, you know – the way he throws the baseball, he doesn't put a lot of uh, strain on his his arm. I think he's uh, he's built for you know extended innings, and uh, he's proven that he can you know he's never had any arm injuries. He's just uh, been a durable, solid pitcher, and I think he's he's learned a lot uh, at the University of Washington just getting so many um, opportunities out of the bullpen, and then this year being the starter. So um, I would I would definitely say he. He, he's a starter um, profile with, um, you know, with at least you're going to get a, a pretty good arm coming out of the bullpen. Right. Now, from what you've seen of him, do you have any comps for him? Is there there anyone that he puts you in the mind of, anyone he reminds you of? Uh, you know, body si- size and uh, maybe an Adam Wainwright, somebody like that. Um, Wainwright throws more of a, you know, a 12-6 curveball. Uh, this guy's more of a... Uh, a slider guy, but you know, similar arm slots, uh, body size. I could, you could kind of comp him to that. Um, but he's going to be a big horse before this is all done. I mean, he's still got a ways to go physically, uh, especially with his upper body. But he's done a really good job. He's pretty high waisted. He's got long legs, long levers, um, and um, it's going to be fun to see how he matures and develops. And I know our guys do a great job of getting these guys in the weight weight room and, and getting getting them on the right uh, nutrition and, and um, he's gonna 
he's going to be a big, uh, big impact, I think, on, uh, on the Oakland A's here in the next few years. Well, we'll take an, uh, an Adam Wainwright comp any day. We definitely look forward to seeing him as he uh, develops in the A's system. Hopefully we'll get a chance to see some of these guys before too long. You, know, you never know with the way things are playing out these days when you're actually going to get to see these guys. But thanks so much for taking the time out today to give us your impressions of uh, Stevie Emanuel's gym. Obviously, as the A's area scout, you've uh, had as many eyes on him as any, anybody, and uh, we certainly appreciate your insights today. Sure. Appreciate it, Bill. Thanks a lot. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to this edition of our Ace Farm podcast. Be sure to check back in for the next episode. And don't forget that you can always find updates on the A's top prospects and all the news about the A's minor league system on our A's Farm website at athleticsfarm.com. That's athleticsfarm.com. Thanks again. I'm A's Farm Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty. We'll see you again down on the farm. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.